chapter 3, beginning in verse 26 and following. Galatians chapter 3. Everybody good? Everybody good? You happy to be here? I'm not convinced, but we're going to move on anyway. Galatians 5.1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Freedom. It's freedom that Christ has set us free. I, I want to declare over us today, you are free in Jesus. And I... I I always think the message I'm about to preach is probably the most important message I've ever preached, but I really believe that this is one of the most important messages I've ever preached. I believe that for many of us, if we don't get out of, and I hesitate to use this word because, but it's a biblical word and just stay with me. If we don't get out of a slave mentality into a son mentality or a child mentality, we'll never achieve all that God has for us. Now, um, and and I'm going to use slave versus sonship as the Bible does it this morning. So just uh, hang with me. Give me a little grace, if you would, as we look at God's word together. But what's really important is for us to distinguish the truth. Because one is a religious practice, as we looked at last week, and one is, I'm a, part of the, I'm a part of the family. I'm a part of God's family with God as my father, and these are my brothers and sisters, and the impact that it has. Because I believe Paul is, has started big and is narrowing things down in his discussion here in the book of Galatians to really, really nail down who we are in Jesus Christ. And so each week, we're, we're bringing it down to a little more personal level that, it, that is really, um, it's life-changing. I mean, it's everything about who we are. Because Paul has started this church in Galatia, and after he left, some people came in, as you've known over the last couple of weeks, and basically said, hey, Paul's gospel was okay, but there's more that you got to do. That, that was kind of like the introduction level. But now, if you really, you got to do this. And in this case, it was um, follow the Jewish law. The gospel is good. Jesus is good. Paul, what Paul said about Jesus is good. But if you want to really be a Christian, then you also have to follow these practices. You got to do the feast days. You got to be circumcised. And Paul, as we saw last week, says to them finally, hey, idiots. That's not what he said. But almost, he says, you foolish Galatians. Who, who, has, who has bewitched you? Who, who's cast this evil spell on you to, to make you trade the freedom of the gospel for something that is not gospel at all? It's religion. And then today, he's going he's gonna to expand it a little more to talk about, here's the difference. It's, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. We saw that as really the first point of the sermon last week. It's not a, there's a difference. Religion is about a... It's about a system, and a system, I'm going to say this again, a system never changes people's lives. It just doesn't. It doesn't. A system won't change the way people behave. It is all about relationship, 
And today we're going to see that even more fully because he's going to get intimate about this relationship. It's, it's a family. It's not just, I know somebody. It's the difference between being outside the family and inside the family. Let's talk about this today, freedom in the family. I'm just going to walk through the passage with each of the points uh, to, to discuss what does it mean and how do we get to be a part of the family and what does it mean to, to walk in the family. So first, if we're going to get in the family, then what we do is we encounter God and his people. We encounter God and his people. If we're going to get in the family, then we, gotta, we have to know God. We got to know God, and then we know God's people. Let's look at this passage, Galatians 3, 26 through 29. First says, so in Christ Jesus, you all are all children of God through faith, for all of you were baptized into Christ, having clothed yourself with Christ. By the way, uh, digression, one second. Uh, we're a Baptist church, in case anybody didn't know. Uh, Baptist and we believe that baptism by immersion is a, a, is a biblical model of worship based on passages like this, uh, which talk about, and this is not merely a spiritual baptism that Paul is talking about. He's talking about you were all baptized. He means physically baptized into Christ. And, and so if, you're, if you follow Jesus Christ but you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you. I think there's always power in us doing, in a love relationship with God, what he asks us to do. I think there's something that happens in baptism. So he, he talks about we were all children of God. So your Bibles may be sons of God. We'll get to that discussion in just a minute. But going on, he goes on, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Great passage. He's not saying we are not distinctive. In other words, he's not saying there's, there's no male nor female in the sense of you lose your distinctiveness. Some have taken this passage way out of context uh, to, to, to talk about gender distinctions. And he's not talking, what he's saying that in Christ, we all stand on equal ground. All of us are equal ground. We're all part, we were all outside, now we're all inside. We're all a part of God's family. Everyone, doesn't matter what color, doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter. <laughs> we're all in. I saw the other day a post, you know, this climate that <laughs> for someone who is a racist, heaven is going to be the closest Thing to hell for them. I mean, if you think about it, because it doesn't matter. We're all a part of God's family. We're all in through him. Moving on, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different than a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. What's he talking about here? We just jumped from we're all in to this whole trustee guardian stuff. He, he's referring back to the law. I, I hate to take passages apart at times, but 
Um, it, it's the way we have to kind of do things in the flow of things, of sermons on Sunday morning. Otherwise, we'd be here all day trying to study the whole book of Galatians, which is fine with me, but some of you, some, some of you have other stuff to do, I know. Um, he, here's the discussion, though. He's been talking about the law. He, he said, what is the purpose of the law? Well, the law, it, it, it served as a guardian, so to speak. Until the time came when Jesus came and he took you out, he was taking the nation of Israel, taking people out of guardianship into family. So he's saying the law just, it served its purpose, which was basically to point out how bad you were and to point you to Jesus. And it served as a guardian or a trustee or a tutor over your life. Until the time was fully revealed when Jesus Christ would come and bring you into relationship, which is the next part of the passage. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now, some of you aren't quite excited like I want you to be yet. But here's, here's where I hope that you'll see that this is so crucial. All of us were slaves to sin. This is not just Judaism. This is, this is about sin, and he's speaking specifically to the law, but... Really, we were all under the penalty of the law until the time fully came when Jesus Christ, who was born under the law, came, lived a perfect sinless life, went to the cross, and died on our behalf so that those who would receive him could leave slavery, so to speak, and come into sonship. people, it's one thing for God to say you're forgiven and say, hey, I'm not going to hold the penalty of sin against you anymore. You know, I, I might be able to forgive somebody who offends me. It's a whole other thing to say, hey, now you're in my family. I mean, think of the jump from that, from forgiven to family. It's a huge, huge jump, a leap that Paul is saying to them. And, and here's the key truth that he's, I think, trying to distinguish for us. The slave has a master, but the son has a father. Now, for us, we may be seeing this fatherhood of God. We've heard it all of our lives for some of us, so it may not carry the impact. But, but to the New Testament mind, the idea of God as a father was entirely foreign. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things that distinguish the teaching of Jesus from all the other, I mean, all the other Old Testament stuff. God is Yahweh. God is powerful. God is a master. God is so holy we can't even mention his name. God is anything but a father. It's foreign to that mindset because if you, if you go all the way back to Genesis, God did what with Adam and Eve in the garden? He, he fellowshiped with them. He walked with them. He spent time with them. It was, it was more of a family with God as father. And then sin enters the world. 
they rebel, they eat of the tree, and the next time God comes to them, he's like, where, where are you? What, what, what's with the fig leaves? Who told you you were naked? In other words, he's saying, I, I was your father. He's asking fatherly questions when he asked them these questions. Who, who told you other than me? From that point, the fatherhood of God is removed because of sin in the sense of now God is not seen as father but as a master. And ever since then, mankind has been saying, how do we gain that back? How do we get back into a relationship with God as our father? Jesus talks about how a father treats his sons differently. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Again, the mindset of God as good father, the song we sang today, you're a good, good father. That mindset, man, they didn't see that. It was like, if I mess up, God is going to destroy me. That's the kind of God the Pharisees and the spiritual leaders saw. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, hey, God is your, my father, I'm here to lead you to the father and he wants to give you good gifts. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. We approach God through relationship, not rules. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. What is he saying? Hey, you guys are studying this stuff, trying to learn all the rules because you think that following the rules will give you life. But here is what it's about. The scriptures are talking about me, and if you want to have life, you've got to come to me. And in this relationship, I'm going to lead you to the Father. You see, the goal is not reading the Bible. Hello? Is that your... The goal of us reading the Bible through as a church is not to read the Bible. The goal is to see Jesus, to have a relationship with Father God, to, to understand the love that he has for us as his children. Again, it's, it's one thing to be forgiven it's another thing to be adopted into the family and when God claims me he claims me I'm his I'm a part of his family how do I get into the family of God I get there by knowing God through Jesus and then being in relationship with his people we are brothers and sisters in Christ Debbie Williams was working a ticket counter at a busy airport um, where while waiting at the gate, um, working the ticket counter, there, a, a, a lady with a screaming baby was standing there. A man stepped to the counter. He looked at the infant that was screaming. He rolls his eyes. Trying to assure him, Debbie says to him, Hey, sir, don't worry. The chances are that baby will not be on your flight. 
man shook his head and said, oh, I bet he will. And she's like, huh? He goes, well, that's my son. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if God, I don't think God rolls his eyes at us. But I do think that we think that, oh, it's all about conditional love and acceptance. You know, as, part as, I, as long as I do what God says, then he'll. That's a master mentality. That's, I, I've got a master, I've got to please him. That's not a father mentality. We need to know God. We need to know God's people. I, I, I want to encourage you today, if you don't know God, the way to come to him is through faith in Jesus Christ. Receive this gift of grace in your life. And then get to know God's people. I mean, if we have a father, and he's all, all of our father, then we're all part of the same family. And this is the local family. We have ways. We, I want to encourage you to become a part of an E3 group, uh, a small group here at Fullness, to, to get to know God's people in a better way. And it will help you discover who you are in him. We want you to encounter God and his people. Second is we, uh, we need to experience the Holy Spirit and our purpose. Experience the Holy Spirit and our purpose. How, how do we walk out this relationship with God as our Father? How do we fulfill our purpose? Are we all listening? You're doing great at writing notes, all of you. I, I really appreciate it. But here's, listen to me. How, how do we get to know God the Father? How do we continue to know Him? How do we fulfill our purpose. I, I want to tell you today, it is by the Spirit of God that God has placed in your heart. It is by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul says. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of the Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. How do we know God is Father? How do we continue to walk in this intimate relationship with him? By the Spirit of God that he's placed within us. Paul in a kind of sister passage. Romans and Galatians have a similar outline. Romans is a little longer in its, uh, the way it describes things. But here's what Paul says there in Romans 8.15. The Spirit, Holy Spirit, you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. How do we know we're God's children? How do we stay in this? How do we call God Abba, Father, by the Spirit of God he's placed within us? Have any of you prayed with TV before, Drew? At some point, he's going to call God Daddy. He's gonna, it's going to happen. So i just giving you fair warning. If you pray with TV, he's going to call God Daddy. Now, for some people, that's really uncomfortable. Why? Because it seems so intimate. But that's exactly what Paul is saying here. This term Abba is the term for Daddy. It's an intimate term of endearment to God. And for some of us, it just we can't get our heads around it. Our hearts around it. 
It's interesting to me with the whole um, North Korea crisis that's going on right now. Uh, everything that's taken place that probably our most effective ambassador to North Korea over the past five years has been Dennis Rodman. Now, for those of you who aren't from my era, if you had told me 15, 20 years ago, hey, Dennis Rodman, he's going to be uh, an ambassador to North Korea, I'm like, what? You know, for those of you who don't know, Dennis Rodman was one of the original bad boys of basketball. Played for the Detroit Pistons and eventually played for the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan. But he was, he was all tatted up and earringed before tatted up and earringed were a part of the NBA. I mean, he was a, one of the original. I mean, he was, a, he was a bad boy. He was rough. He dressed, oh my gosh, he dressed unbelievable. The dude dated Madonna. Does that give you an idea? of what? I mean, he was outrageous. He was outrageous, and, and I'm not sure he's any less outrageous now, but he, he, he eventually wrote a biography called Bad As I Want to Be, and in the book, he talks about his father. His father, by the way, is named Philander Rodman, Philander Rodman, and um, Dennis Rodman had 28 siblings, most of whom he never met, because his father had 28 other children by um, 16 different women. So Philander kind of fulfilled his name. Dennis Rodman never knew his dad until, I think he was in his 30s maybe, he finally met his father. He was, when Dennis was a young man, he was very shy he uh, didn't, he was very introverted due to his troubled childhood. He, he makes this quote in uh, Bad As I Want to Be uh, that I think is part of the spirit of this age. And he said this, some man brought me into this world. It doesn't mean I have a father. We, we have a fatherless generation in many, in, in many ways. Except we have God as our father, a perfect father. The problem is we start to see God as father like we see our earthly father. Now, see, I'm blessed. I, I admit it. I am incredibly blessed. I, I have a great earthly father. So my view of Father God is based, I, I mean, I'm not damaged, so to speak. My father's not in any way perfect. Um, nor am I a perfect father to my children, but I, I, I'm not battling against a bad image of God as father because I, I had a good father. How, how do we, how do we move from an image of earthly father to God as father, perfect father? How do we walk it out to know that God fully loves and accepts us? I, I want to I say to you today that I don't think it's a mental thing. I believe it's a spiritual thing. That it's the Holy Spirit who allows us to receive the spirit of adoption, so to speak, and to really understand who God is as our Father. We at Fullness 
Christian Fellowship, we believe fully in the person and the work and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the person of the Holy Spirit is not just, I know in some charismatic churches that the Holy Spirit is just seen as a distributor of gifts. But I, I want to say to you, this, the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. If you want to understand truth, where do you go? The Holy Spirit. If, if this relationship of God is Abba Father, how do we get there? Through the Holy Spirit. You can tell, you can tell uh, someone's relationship by what they call somebody. So, for instance, my children, they call me dad or daddy or pops. Uh, when they're, the boys especially, when they're feeling a little cocky, they'll actually say Bart. Um, you know, as they've gotten older, just in jest. It's part of our, the makeup of our, our, our family. Here, here at church, people will come up to me and say, hey, what, what do you want to be called? Nothing bad, um, preferably. I mean, here in this culture, at fullness, most people call, say Pastor Bart. The children will call me Pastor Bart. Um, we can tell at the office if someone calls who has no idea who I am. Because they'll ask for, well, first of all, they'll ask for John Brookins. That's my first name. We get that a lot. And so on some documents around the country, my first name is listed and <laughs> Poor Caroline, first time she answered the phone. Hey, someone called asking for John. Who, who is that? And, and no, she didn't even know. It was, well, that's, that's me. But they don't know me, so cut them off. <laughs> you know, they call asking for Dr. Brookins or Reverend Dr. Brookins. Um, we know they don't know me. Because the people that know me, they either say Bard or Pastor Bard. There are terms that indicate, do you know? one another. Here's the key truth in this. Sorry, the slave is driven by duty. The son is driven by devotion. Your purpose in life will only be discovered by knowing God through Jesus and will only be fulfilled by the relationship that becomes by the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know if you picked that up. I read it to you because I, I wanted to word it. If you want to know your purpose, you, you can only discover your purpose by being in relationship with God, faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you get there. And then by the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've been adopted into God's family. Listen, I, we have a lot of families in our church who have adopted children, both locally and from other places. And I, I'm so in awe of all that uh, God has done and the way we've opened our hearts in this church. Many adopted ch children have identity issues. Um, I, I understand that, and I'm praying for the families. My, my, my brother adopted uh, two boys from Africa, and... Um, I should have put a picture of him up here of the family, the way they look. And um, when people hear my brother's story, they'll—I I mean, well, first of all, it's obvious that the picture is different, right? Because um, my, my brother's uh, family is like the whitest people you know. I mean, red hair, freckles, 
you know. And, and the boys from Ghana, they're very dark-skinned. So you see the family picture, and you're like, hmm, something here is different than the rest of the pictures. My, one of my, my nephews now goes to Texas A&M. And um, again, I know this is coming from a white person, so if you're a person of color here today, please don't be offended. I don't, it's not meant to be, but Texas A&M is the Aggies, right? The, the Aggies. So um, part of what they do is they, the, the, the people, the ones of color, they, they're part of the Black Aggies Association. And so my parents were getting, my parents, my brother and his, my sister-in-law were getting these documents saying, hey, you're invited to the parents of Black Aggies meeting when you come to Texas A&M. And I told them, I want a t-shirt, parent of Black Aggies uh, t-shirt. But here's the point I'm trying to make. My brother will get these comments like this when he see a picture of his family of, of um, eight so good questions like, uh, something like, hey, that's great that you adopted these two boys from Africa. Uh, do you have any children of your own? Now, what they're asking is, do you have any biological children? And my brother started just saying, yeah, all of them. They're all mine. All of these children are mine. Not the four biological and the two adopted. All six of these are mine. Why? And if you hang around with Joshua and Kayla very much, um, they're Brookens. I mean, they've got, they're competitive, uh, they're, they're witty, um, they love, okay, you don't have to go with me on that. <laughs> they're good looking, yes. Anyway, humble. <laughs> we can keep rolling on this if you want to. They love Jesus. They serve people. They have the spirit of the family. What, I, what I'm trying to say to us, when we come into God's family and he places our, his spirit within us, we have the spirit of his family. And, 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 and everything we do from that point on is driven by devotion, not by duty. My son doesn't keep those two boys because of what they do. For him. He's a, it's a loving relationship. Listen to this passage in Philippians. See if you can pick up on this just a little bit. Philippians 2 says this. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. You may be saying, wait a minute, Pastor... You just said, I'm not a slave, I'm a son. What's about the working hard? He go, here's what Paul is saying. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's all, do, you, do you see that? It's all about relationship. God, God says work, but hey, by the way, I'm giving you the power to do it. I'm giving you not only the power because my spirit is in you, I'm giving you the desire to do it. I do things for my family, not because I have to, but because I love them. Okay, on occasion I do it because I have to. But for the most part, I do it because I, I love them. Quick story from the Bible, and then we'll move to the final point. 
As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, you know the story, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, there's a lot of implications to this passage, but here's what I think Jesus is saying. Look, you're being driven by duty. She's here because she wants to be in relationship. Now, I'm telling you, this story always bothers me. I'm I'm more like Martha. I got to do something. Let's get it done. But Jesus is saying, look, what I want is relationship with you. And it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Okay, so let me bring it to the point here. You can only know and be who you were created to be by knowing God as your Father, right? That's the only way you're going to be who you're supposed to be. And you can only know God as Father through the grace of Jesus Christ that comes through faith. And you can only discover your purpose by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, understanding the fatherhood of God. And ultimately, you can only be fulfilled by doing what God has created, redeemed, and empowered you to do. Leads me to the last point, which is this. We need to expand our influence by making a difference. Expand our influence by making a difference. Back in Galatians 3, verses 7 and following. Actually, I'm in chapter 4 by now. Chapter 4, 7 and following. So, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, in that it, I love that distinction. You know God, wait, wait a minute, really, it's that you're known by God. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Romans 8, 17, again, a sister passage to this says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in the sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. All right. Look up here just for a second. Here's where this whole thing about sons becomes really important. Now, ladies, please don't be offended that I'm talking about sons here because you're all sons. Just as all the men here are the bride of Christ, because the analogy is so powerful, sons fit. Because in the ancient culture, daughters did not inherit. Only sons. So Paul's distinction here is this. When you come into the family, you receive the spirit of sonship, which means you are an heir and co-heir with Christ. It means you get all the stuff. You're a part of the family. Now, 
here's why this is so distinctive. Because a slave is an employee, but the son is an heir. And we are all children, sons of God, because we're all heirs. We're a part of the family business. It's father and sons and daughters. Father and children. This is the family business. We're all part of it. And when you know that you're part of a family business, you act different than if you're an employee. My last birthday, um, Kathy was out of town. Uh, she was in Texas. It was for her uh, mother had passed away, and she was visiting with her really one last time uh, before she came home. And so my children took me, took me, to uh, dinner, and <clears throat> I think it was my credit card, but we went together <laughs> to, to dinner. <laughs> and uh, we went to, uh, I'll even name the restaurant because we're not a big church, and this isn't going to be broadcast all over the world, but we went to Outback. And we walk in, and the lobby is packed with everybody holding their little pagers. And uh, I go up to the desk to give them my name. How long is it going to be? Eh, about 45 minutes or so, something like that. I don't know. And I look at the restaurant, because you can see through to the restaurant. And I, I'm telling you, at least half the tables were open. At least half were open in the restaurant. And the lady behind the counter, we, I got a pager, and we sat down. And, okay, here's another thing about Brookings. We're not very patient. <laughs> it's just, I got it from my granddad and my dad. They weren't patient, man. I'm not very patient either. So I, I'm, I'm looking at the lady behind the counter, and she's just kind of doodling. Every so often, she'd punch some numbers in the thing. The pager go off. I, I, I felt like I was going to go crazy watching this lady. I'm, I guarantee you this. If the owner of the restaurant had been doing that front counter, them tables have been full. Why? Because the owner said, we got to make some money here. We got to get people, we got to get these tables full. We got to get these steak blooming onions in these people and then get them out of here. Get the next ones in because we're making more money. You act different. If you're an heir, you act different than if you're an employee. We need to activate what God has placed in our lives, which is this. You are an heir. I can tell people their relationship to fullness by how they talk about the church. And I can tell it through one pronoun. Your versus our. When they're talking to me and they say, you know, your church, I really like your church. Versus when they say, you know, our church, I love our church. To me, I can tell if someone is in or out in their relationship to the church by the way they use your and our. Here's what I want to say. People, this is not my church. This is not the elders' church. This is not the staff's church. This is your church. Look at your chairs. Look at your carpet. Look at your lights, your sound system, your, our church. This is us together. And if you want to be a part of the family business, God and sons, come on board.
love to have you be a part of this local branch of God and Sons. But honestly, if you're going to be a part, be a part. Let God activate what he's placed inside of you so that we can see God's kingdom fully established in the world around us. I, I'm so passionate about this right now that we're going to do a whole fall series called Activate about how to help you discover your spiritual gifts, um, what God has placed within you. We're going to do character studies in the Bible through the fall. On Sunday morning, we're going to teach about it. And on Wednesday night, we're going to have, count them, count them, one class, which is going to talk about, and it's going to be a workshop to help you activate what God has placed within you. And, and we want every single person, it's for the youth on up, we're all going to be in there together, because I, I'm convinced that unless we at Fullness discover who we are together and how God has made us, we're not going to achieve the destiny that he has for us. So I want to invite you to come starting September something. It's the second Sunday in September. And then the Wednesday that follows, I think it's the 10th and then the 13th. Um, those Sundays for the rest of the fall up through Thanksgiving, we're going to do a series called Activate. And we want you to be a part. So please, please come because you're an heir. Here's the truth. you to discover who you are in Jesus by the power of the Spirit. I have no desire to try and make you or guilt you into doing something. As a matter of fact, it, it wears me out. Not that I try to do that anyway, but I get really weary of it. And besides, it's just religion. But I believe, I believe this. If we understand that we are sons and daughters of God, that, that he is our father, that we know God and his people, and that we're filled with spirit and we discover our purpose, then we can see God, we can see influence, God's influence, God's kingdom expand around us. And I believe that is our, that's our calling. We're part of the family business. I, I pray that what happens is we, we understand, we encounter God and his people. Know him, seek him with all your heart, and you will find him. Know him as father. Be a part of an E3 group. There's a, tables outside that are talking about the E3 groups that are starting this fall. Be in relationship with one another. Experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your, in your purpose, why he's made you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be driven to discover and walk out your purpose as a child of God. And then, let's see God's kingdom expand by the sphere of influence he's given each one of us, the people we know, by making a difference in the world around us. Activate. As God's child, you're a part of the family business. The inherent in all of this is this. Talk to God. God loves you. He knows you. He he. It's going to be awesome. He's not mad at you. He loves you. 
And he has the desire to see what he wants you to be fulfilled in him. Lord, I just lift us up as a people today that we would more fully know you. We would more intimately be engaged with you, O oh God, as our Father. That we would be filled with, empowered with this presence, empower the Spirit of God so that we can know our giftings and our purpose and your plan for our lives and that we would see your kingdom expand all around us, locally, internationally, within our families. Thank you. I'm going to pray and continue to pray. And as I continue to pray, I'm going to ask our ministry teams to come to the front to get ready to, to pray for people. If you're here today and you don't know God, you're, you're searching for God, but you don't really know him. You would have to say, no, I, I, I don't know God as this father you're talking about. I want to encourage you to receive Jesus, his forgiveness that he gave us on the cross and the way he's made a way for us to be in relationship with God as our Father. Maybe you're here today and you do know God, you know Jesus, but you would have to say, my view of God is all whacked out. And I, and I want to come into a relationship with him, with God as my Father, knowing that he loves me. And I need some healing from maybe the, my past ideas about what a father was supposed to look like. Everyone stand up. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray, if you need prayer, just come to one of these ministry teams. You'd like to know God. You'd like to know God more intimately as Father. Or maybe you need healing or some other direction. Just come to one of these teams. Then Mitch will lead us in a song. Lord, we thank you. We just thank you that you love us so much. Lord, I thank you that you will be found by us if we seek you with all our hearts. You're there and that you love us so much. Lord, I pray that our minds will be changed today by the power of the Spirit to understand that you are our good, good Father. Holy Spirit, just move among us now as we sing and as we pray. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, just come right now.